Welcome back to episode two of the Art of Hip Hop podcast. We are back with legendary director Jason Goldwatch. Uh, we discuss more of his material, uh, primarily uh, J Electronica's dimethyl tryptamine, Step Masters from Evidence and Alchemist, Cool Keys Plastic World, and Dilated People's Worst Come to Worst. Tells a story during our discussion of Worst Come to Worst that's amazing, but also uh, kind of dark and troubling. Make sure you don't miss that. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to Panic of the Mole Men, who produced this beat. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of Panic, uh, and I'm just honored to have his production as the intro to the podcast. All right, uh, let's get into it. Part two of my discussion with Jason Goldwatch. Enjoy. So speaking of people who crack me up, uh, one of my all-time favorites is Cool Keith. And uh, oh, I, actually didn't, I actually didn't know until I was researching. I've seen it a million times, but I didn't know you directed Plastic World. Um. Can you tell me, like, I know you write a lot of the treatments or have a lot of the ideas you do. It seemed like Cool Keith might be someone who might bring his own treatment to the table. Um, who who came up with that idea? That was mine. That was all my, that was, well, actually, you know, to be fair, that was something I broke into. Each verse was going to be a new setup, the hallways with a chorus, which that was pretty interesting. And I had it written where the third verse, which is Michael Jackson in the video, <laughs> was going to be Dr. Octagon. So he was going to walk in and do these lock-offs rather than split it down the center and sort of have him walk in and he was going to be sitting there with himself as both Cool Keith, Sex Style Cool Keith, and Dr. Octagon Cool Keith at this table. And actually, bro, that didn't get deaded. This is actually cool. That didn't get deaded until we couldn't... I had it written so we had moths flying around the room. And so I had these... We had, I think, 12 grand to shoot this video back in the day, shooting on film. And they were actually sussing out insect specialists to find how we could get moths flying around my fucking set. And they couldn't, so it became a saying, blah blah blah. And then ended up where Keith was like, "Bro, I, you know, I, I'm, I live in Hollywood. This is Michael Jackson. I see every day." I'm gonna ask him, and it was like, "I think, like, oh shit, let's go there. That's great." So then we just made him there. He was eating cereal. And it was wild, weird ass thing. But that was mostly me. But you know, everyone, every artist has to approve whatever you're doing. Sure. And the more they like it, the better it is, and the more they're into it, which resonates. So that was a thing where he wrote, he brought, he actually hooked us up with the with uh, Michael Jackson, and you know. That was his. That was the third verse. Was his. That that Michael Jackson impersonator was amazing. So ill. But you know, I remember there was a moment where I took off his glove and I was like, gave it to Keith. Keith was up. I was like, yo, what? bring this like you're returning it to him, you know? And that sort of everyone died laughing, and it set a great tone for the energy and like, you know, at the end of that where like Mike gets up and starts dancing with him was just like the funniest fucking moment of all time on set, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say this uh, like diplomatically because. I think he's earned it, but I, I interviewed a director who um, his shoot with Keith was like really uh, difficult for him, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it just looks like uh, I don't know this this shoot just looks really professional and amazing. Um, what was your experience like like working with him? It was great. I mean, we were, we were, I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were uh, mutually sort of interested in each other. He would invite me over to, uh, 
Yo, I posted that video on Instagram not long ago, and Virgil popped up and was like, bro, this is fucking incredible. Like, what the fuck? And I was like, dude. Wow. I told him. I was like, bro, Keith used to invite me down to Hollywood and make me macaroni and cheese and fucking serve me up ginger ale. And, like, we'd kick it. And it was super weird. <laughs> you know? And so it was sort of a thing where I became friends with him. And I think to make a music video or a documentary, for that matter, even a, you know, portrait somewhat, like, you have to sort of, like, find the the love for that source. You have to sort of like fall in love with that energy. So I love Keith, bro. He's the weirdest, magical, most wonderful motherfucker, but it's through Cut Master Kurt and that weird world that was happening. And I was like, that was through Ev, you know, because of yeah. the third degree. So that led into that video was great. So that led into Kurt introducing me to Cool Keith and then us really getting along and being just, you know, art shit. I mean, he was, he used to invite me over and be at his crib. He was one of the things I wish I had on. So he, he used to make these collages out of porn. Porn magazine. So he used to just cut out <laughs> pussies or cut out nipples and do like a whole gigantic page of, of uh, just like nipple collage, like glitter glue. So I would come into his crib, bro, and like he'd be sitting there working and there'd just be pink, just little snippets, like skin colored snippets all over his carpet, bro. Like just like days of just bugging with a scissor, making these weird skin collage. Like I was super fascinated by that, dude. And actually, a cool story is that he introduced me to his home. He's actually the guy who brought the girls to set for Plastic World was a pimp named Skyler from Hollywood. And him and I got along like fuck. And he, him and I ended up shooting a bunch for a documentary that I thought I would make on him, but it got so dark and and weird and uncomfortable I couldn't keep shooting with him. But I would go with him when he'd pick up girls and we'd go out at night and shoot sort of the L.A. Wow. Still that he was involved. But it was so dark. I was like, this is not, I don't feel like I'm supporting some weird. This just doesn't feel right. I would have probably done it now, but back then I was thought I was like, I don't know, thought I was doing good or something. I don't know. I couldn't, so I didn't want to support what that was. But like his whole crew was like super brilliant, interesting, underworld, you know, anti everything sort of shit. That's all that sex shit was pretty real on his from his world. It was interesting to see and sort of feel like I was a part of it. We had a show. I was like, I was going to CalArts in the College of CalArts, and there was a television station I was running. So, like, one night a week, we'd all put on a wrestling mask and, like, host a show live um, on a television station, and no one knew who we were. We all changed our voices. But I would have Skyler, the pimp from the Cool Keys, to come up. And one time he brought some girls, and all these people could call. It was a live call-in show. So people called in, asked these, like, these call girls, like, interesting-ass sort of, you know, relatively smart questions. Brought, you know, we'd bring up weed. We'd auction it off. There was a thing where, like, you know, through Keith, I met Skylar, and Skylar and I sort of became tight and started shooting. Like, there's, I don't know, things, you you meet people and connect with them, and then you're just trying to figure out how to, you know, why do we like each other? What the fuck can we, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I know you're the talent, but I do have to tell you a, a quick story. Um, around the time you were starting Decon, I was working uh, with Zion and I, who I know oh, I've worked with, you've worked with as well. So, um I was supporting their tour. They they opened up for Cool Keith on a tour. Um, and I think I was at Tro- Trocadero in Philly. Um, and I think I was helping them set up their merch table maybe. And uh, Cool Keith walked in with Jackie Jasper. Um, and they were both wearing, I think, leather suits. Um, and I think Keith was like a patchwork, black and white kind of checkerboard style. <laughs> yeah, something like uh, and I think Jackie just had like fifty like porno mags uh that he was carrying. And um 
yeah, it was just this magical moment as a, as a longtime Keith fan um, that I just laugh at still to this day. Very real, and you can tell it's just authentic. And you know what? Porn magazines, that even still happen, I guess. I don't know. You know, that's a weird moment where it won't happen that much anymore unless you're a trucker or some fucking shit, you know? Yeah, and I, I also But again, maybe that, that collage, show. maybe that magazine collage, you know, it did, absolutely. Actually, the, the magazines turned into the internet, you know what I mean? And that collage became edits, and sort of we are furthering that strange aspect of um, you know, clipping and cutting strange references together. Absolutely. Um, did he, like, during that shoot, I, I don't know, Keith's he, just always made me crack up. Did you ever, like, uh, are you are you ever the type of person who might break when something's hilarious? Um, or is it is it easy for you to just kind of keep the laughter inside? Um, break what? Break the scene? No, just, like, start la- laughing. No, I love laughing. I laugh. I speak. I'm fucking, bro, I'm in there. I mean, again, to make, some, <laughs> to make them feel inclusive, they need to forget that the camera needs to become a robot, a, a fucking Cyclops robot. You know, it just shouldn't be a thing that's, that the world's going to see eventually. That's how I work. You want to edit, I don't ever think about, or I try not to think about the, the where this goes. I just, like, I'm making this for my couple of friends or I'm making this just, you know, for my wife to love me more or, like, whatever. Like, this, I don't think about it that way, you know? Sure. I think that's the thing. To make that camera disappear for that vibe to happen. In, in Plastic World, it has a very unique, like, sense of lighting. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's lit in different color palettes. Um, can you can you describe, like, what what your intention was and how you did it? Because again, the DP that was back in the day when we shot film, bro. That was six, that was super sixteen millimeter. That was when you had again, shout out, you know, for a shot list, you have to fucking go in, know what you know what you need. You can today, you could, I mean, even fucking videotapes. You had cards, and I could just shoot for days. You could shoot everything always, and just keep shooting. Back then, we had these reels of film. That was, I believe, tails and ends or whatever. We we ended up buying film, leftover film the odds and ends and shit that the productions had sold back they didn't use. So even like when you buy that film back in the day, you're, you're, you sign off on accepting the, you're accepting the fact that it might be a little bit, it might have a leak or it might not expose. It's sort of like this insurance policy you sign off on because you're getting it for mad cheap because it's been recanned or whatever. like that kind of shit, bro. What the fuck was your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> Just like, Describing the, you know, it's got a very sense of like unique color. Oh yeah, it was the film. It was that Super 16, bro. We shot fucking, and the thing was, I wanted each each room to be different. I was really into like creating each verse of a different thing. So we shot like Fuji in one room and Kodak in another room. Like when he picks up the camera, that's Mm -hmm. you know that's actually Super 8. Like we just used wacky, sort of as far apart um, film films and exposures and colors, and just we knew we were going to be in basically the same room. For three things. So it was about how do we how do we uh, dissect that and make it you know take them further apart from each other and sort of return back into the hallway, which is again still film, but sort of a grounding, you know, a sense of grounding us uh, yarn through the whole tapestry. Was that his actual apartment? No, bro. Super disgusting, super shady hotel uh, in downtown LA. And actually <clears throat> there was both a wonderful ass old lady. I got there first cause I was like 19 or I was like, probably, yeah, I was probably 19. We made that. I was so fucking hype. I was the first person there. And there was yeah. an old lady that tried to sell me hard boiled eggs in the lobby of the, of the hotel. And then once the cube <laughs> truck pulled in, uh, they were, they heard it sound like boom, like a big sandbag. It hit the roof of the cube truck. And it turned out that someone on the top floors was throwing bags of feces onto the clue. It was like super dirty drug. Oh man! Hotel. And we just took the top floor over for a day. 
All right. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you shoot J-Electronic is uh, dimethyltryptamine. It's, it's obviously a part of your Into the Light documentary. Um, by the way, where can people watch Into the Light? Do you know? They can't. And they can't. It never came out. Sitting right here, I'm looking at the file. Uh, have you ever met a Rothschild? No, I've been on an email chain with one. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, that video definitely... Uh, it, it seems like maybe you had a like sort of a loose treatment. Um, you might have did you maybe piece that together from stuff you had shot during the documentary or or no? I mean there were certain of... songs we picked we knew we were going to shoot to sort of fill the gaps in the the semi story we had or just you know there's songs that that really affected me the most. I mean some of those like DMT actually I was listening to that on the flight out on the flight. What am I saying? The flight. From Thailand into fucking Canada, it was that's one of the songs that picked just on a whim. Just it just affected me. I was like, bro, this is so good, like, bro. So it was one of the things we had to fit it where it worked. And you know, again, we were in a place uh, where we sort of slid slid in a little bit under the radar, and then paid off the right people. And then those fires and everything in that video, the military was there with us, allowing us to set those fires. That wasn't something that existed. But they were just like, you can do whatever you want. I was like, what do you mean whatever I want? They're like, bro, we, you, we have to pay for it. So I was like, what, can I can I light fires in the street? They're like, we have small ones. It was sort of like that. It was just feeling out what we could do and then how to work it in. We knew we were going to have um, laser eyes. That thing was already uh, talked about. So it was sort of about making sure there's enough light for our designer to, to get in there and also making sure people were allowed into the frame and we didn't sort of block off the streets. You know, sort of, like I said, it was a, it was a rough idea that couldn't fail. I mean, to get into the situation and figure out how to make the best and take advantage of what the universe is giving to you that, you know, I think ordinarily most people don't notice or let, let in. Right. Like you sort of understand the fact that uh, any shoot with Jay Electronica in Nepal is going to be visually interesting. Um, and just the heart strings. Like he's got the greatest, we so pure and our hearts were so golden and our crew was so great that was that when we went into that house for the dmt video which we did that whole card scene that happened that night we just were shooting and someone stuck their head out the window and jay started talking to them and he's a fucking great dude and connected and they let us into their ground floor and we shot a kid was there and we ended up playing cards and drinking with them and sharing cigarettes and that became most of the performance again just letting just shutting the fuck up enough right just to hear other just to listen for a second and that's how we got into the house like, you know just being open and uh you know and good good enough dudes that we, you know we were obviously good people and then they really let us in you know yeah and the, the like you said i mean the venn diagram of people that like jay electronica in the world it's like if you're adored by jay-z just blaze puff daddy nepal the rothschild family um they thought he was Obama when we were there. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was so, so beautiful and so well-dressed, and his skin was so perfect. And he had a whole crew of fucking you know, camera dudes and photography and shit. It was funny. You can, you can uh, expand on this if, if you want. It's just an observation. Um, you have this great element in the video of, you know, the video shot. Uh, you know, visually it's dark mostly, and then you have, but you have the, you know, headlights of the car, the candles, cigarettes, the fires, the laser eyes, the headlights. Um, 
you can talk about that if you want to, or or we can move on to yet another. Yeah, no, I mean I make shit to watch forever, bro. I, you know, dude, but that sounds really arrogant. They're obviously fire <laughs> into the light and playing with light, playing with darkness, him investigating the darkness, him being lit in the darkness, all that shit. Of course, yeah, there's a thousand layers of that shit when we were there working with it and sort of teeing each other off or pushing it. You know, it's like there's an alley. He was like, J J J J, come here, come here, check this out, check this out. And he'd walk around an alley. There'd be some dog eating some shit. Like, yes, you know, it's like. It was very much just trying to be the open wizards that we are. We're the most comfortable in a place that was just so not regular, you know, and maintaining, you know, sort of a sense of grounding on some level to be able to. It's easy when you travel. You say, call it fresh eyes. You know, my photographers were friends, whatever. You arrive somewhere you haven't seen, you have fresh eyes, and you see shit people take for granted. You can shoot it interesting. It's sort of what we took advantage of was just being, you know, eternal tourists and sort of, you know, constant just being wowed and then just trying to capture that, you know. A lot of my, you know, even though, like you said, the uh, the Converse work is the same thing we went in, which is fresh eyes. But you know, podcast I love is there's a lot of times people wrote a book and the fucking, like the, the host hasn't read the book. I kind of appreciate that more sometimes because you tend to get into more irregular type of interesting nooks, you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I do have two two last questions on Stepmasters. Um, are those, do they, I, I don't understand how they did the beer bottles. Are those like stunt beer bottles or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are okay. made of, uh, those are sugar. Those are made of sugar. All right. It's amazing. It looks real. And um, do, do those, do their drawings still exist? I felt like evidence drawing of alchemists was kind of uncanny. So good. You know, I took, I have photos of them on the table again, so I didn't, we didn't keep them, I don't think, unless Al did, which I wouldn't put past him, but I don't think so. <laughs> All right. I'm going to segue uh, to worst come to worst, and I, and I will interject one, one other personal detail. Like, when you, around when you were shooting that, um, the Beast Junkies actually hosted my radio show, which was maybe the most amazing, like, hip-hop moment of my life. Um and J-Rock uh, just kept saying, kept making fun of evidence, saying, actually, that's best come to best, and he's kind of imitating evidence. Um, uh, it's, an, it's an amazing video. Um, the, the people you pulled together for that shoot, I mean, uh, you know, between both members of Gangstar, world-famous Beat Junkies, uh, J-5, Cron Don, um, and that... As much as that kind of feels a little bit like a like a major label video, you can see your whole like um, desire to make a video fun and, and and get out of the way. I mean, it looks like people were really like enjoying it uh, uh, themselves. The the barbecue looks amazing. For sure, for sure. Again, you know, it's like about we structured those days, so I had enough time. That was my first time being at a major production company. That so. That was underneath sort of an umbrella of Spike Jones support system, which was incredible. So they allowed me, they'd be like, how much time do you think you need to do this? So they, I got buffered out on those days so much that it allowed us to get into a place, set up, shoot a couple times, get cozy, smoke a joint, fucking wait for a fucking gangster to show up. You know what I mean? Fucking, it was dope because they buffered. It was the first time I'd ever been in a, underneath Capitol Records on a major. That was my first major video for the most part. Cool Keith doesn't count. Like, that was before that, but like this is the first time it was like, or one of the first times it was like a big deal, a big single, a lot of expectations, big adults with mortgages and children 
you know, putting pressure on, on me. It was the college. I was in college at that point, you know. Wow. The other thing about the video is crazy. We shot at Ground Zero on September 7, 2001, bro, like four days before that fucking whole, before the world changed. Wow. And that fucked my head up. That, that made me a full-on. I was already, like, not believing in moon landings or whatever, but that broke my heart so much. That made me really get into a dark conspiracy path. So um, that that... That shot of Raka rapping, like the amazing shot, that's in front of the Twin Towers. That's the bottom of the World Trade Center, bro. And I walked up on oh, the, the wow. day of the shoot. I walked up while we were lighting. I walked up to the, just walked up to the, the structure of those two World Trade Center and like banged on it and looked up and I was like, what a fucking monument of like humanity. Like what a fucking beautiful piece of mathematics and architecture and like balls. Like it's just such a, just, just a ball. Those buildings are just such a, so arrogant. You know, and for that to fall, it was just really fucked me up. It's crazy. And even yeah. like, yo, there was people like, there, there's a shot. I've told this story before, but in that performance of Rocka, there's a guy that comes in and interrupts his performance and sort of shuts down as if his security shuts down the camera. But that guy um, worked at the, in the in the trade center, and one of our extras who was supposed to be a security guy didn't show up. So he was standing around watching, and our security guy hadn't showed up. And I was like, bro, you want to get in here? And we gave him a fucking walkie-talkie earpiece. And he was already wearing a suit. And so there's this, like a white, like an Italian bro who yeah. comes in there. And, okay, so we no one's ever spoken to him again. Like we're assuming that he was lost on that day. We don't even know what happened. He was super oh, excited. Yeah. We put him in it and we haven't even heard. So there's so many levels to how crazy that video is. That's really deep. Um, when you when you got one of the things that I really appreciate about like all of your work is you know, and this hasn't always been the case throughout hip hop history is like the the elements of hip hop are really authentic. Like there's really people doing graffiti. Um, and, and obviously like you do a ton of stuff with, with real DJs, like, like I mentioned, RJD2 and, and Revenge of the Robots and obviously a million things with Babu. Um, so you get him live at the beginning. Um, and then you sort of segue into a studio shot, which, the video I saw on YouTube was kind of grainy. I think the only person I could really make out was, I think it was Evil D. Um, Scarface was in there. Scarface was in there. Okay. Afura. And, uh, and uh, what what studio were you shooting in there? Do you remember? Uh, that sucks. You said that. So I should know that. That's the old school. That's the old school. Primo's old school studio that that got shut down, re- like pretty much right after that. I should know that, but I don't. But that's a famous Not studio. D&D? D&D, thank you. That was in D&D okay. before it shut down. The only reason Scarface came in is because he was next door recording and heard we were doing it. And that there's a man, I'm going to fuck this story up too, but he was in the video. We did the verse, and then it was over. And then, uh, man, I hope I get this right. I was like, all right, fresh. I'm like, Ev, let's get out of here. You know, he's a homie of mine. So I'm like, Ev, evidence, get out of here. And then Scarface was like, evidence? Oh, man, I thought you was Pete Rock or something like that. Like, he didn't even know what the fuck was happening at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all good obviously it was all love but it was like it was, that's just how that went same thing like just take care of let's just whatever magic is in here let's take advantage of it and just give a little bit of trust to the universe to provide for us right the yeah. faith the faith of it all so you you shoot on the Brooklyn Bridge with, with Guru and Al um, and I I think you sort of have like it doesn't fully feel like fisheye effect but I know that the edges were kind of rounded um well, Fisheye was like, it seems like something you've done a little bit less recently, but in a lot of your early videos, we saw some fisheye lens. Yeah. 
don't know. I mean, I was still, to be honest, I was young on lenses then and didn't quite understand everything. And just that was something that was an effect that I loved and sort of came from Hype Williams and appreciated and was an ode to that world, the Beastie Boys and all that. And yeah. some of that. But I think also, like, bro, we were just putting ourselves into, into especially that video especially, into into situations where it's just so iconic. I was trying to be the Capitol Records building with the tour bus. And, you know what I mean? I was trying to be so iconic that that sort of just allowed us to get as much information on screen as quickly as possible. As much time as I say I had for that thing. It was fucking, it was a, a shoot in L.A. and a shoot in New York. And I think it was two days in both places. Like, that shit, it was, we are moving fast because we couldn't afford that. But we, you know, it was a lot of, like, you would ne- that would never happen now, too close shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously, yeah, so the next shot is you're on, I believe, Hollywood Boulevard with, with Raka and Babu. Babu, yeah. um, <laughs> I can talk. Um, and it, it just, uh, one thing that really hit me with, with both you and Alchemist is how much you guys, um, you know, hip hop does still sort of have like some coastal boundaries, uh, and, and between Decon and, and his work, obviously like with, with both like, uh, dilated and mob deep, you know, you guys have really worked almost equally in my opinion. I I could be totally off with, with both coasts of hip hop. Hmm. Um, have you ever, have you ever thought about that or is that something that was obvious to you that, that you sort of existed on both sides? Well, I mean, worst come to worst was the obvious. It was just a funny time in hip hop. We're like, let's just blend these coasts because we're not fucking with this. No one, no one for real is like, fuck all that. Like, let's just blend the coast in the video and just make it. Let's just say it. We don't have to say it. Let's just say it. Um, but yeah, I grew up in San Francisco and then moved to Venice Beach for a gang of years. And then when Decon started, you know, my business partner was like, yo, come to New York. If we're going to do this, you got to move out here and shit, right? So I moved to New York and I was like, well, fuck it. Like, I had such a foundation. I was so blessed, you know what I mean, to meet evidence and sort of get escorted into that world of full assassins and Al and everyone. But I felt like L.A. was a real, uh, you know, even, you know, Cool Keith and Lupac and Madlib and, you know, Kurt. I'd done a bunch of L.A.-based projects, the Far Eye, Licks. When I went to New York, I was like, yo, let me just try and do that here, right? So where's Jim Jones? Where are the roots? You know, let's get into, I got into Kid Cudi and, like, it was all about sort of finding, you know, Ninja Sonic, a real fucking Lower East Side dirty, filthy, fucking rad band and, like, trying to get as deep and sort of insert myself as far as I could into New York when I got there. I, you know, for a bunch of years, Pusha T, mm-hmm. I was the 88 Kanye, you know, shit we did. It was, it was it was fun, but it was like I was really trying to embody New York for a minute um, as I did L.A., in a way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And, and one last note on that video that that barbecue looks amazing especially with uh the beat junkies djing where where was that um this was back in the day when videos went through major labels and there was a well it still is but i don't function in the system so much but there was a video commissioner who was super fresh kate miller was at capitol records bro and she fucking we couldn't afford because we were the way we were doing it and the way they were patting me because it was my first major video we couldn't afford something so like Kay Miller, rad as fuck. The commissioner was like, you know what? Let's just shoot at my house. So fucking, oh, she let God. us go. That's like her her basement or her art studio or whatever. And she let us transform it. That's her backyard. And we had, you know, for those kind of things when you're gonna shoot outside, like we get a big, gigantic ass white, you know, opaque balloon that's full of helium that had a light in it that hung, you know, 50 feet above the party that would light the whole. Like we blew up her whole block, bro. And she had complaints, but I was at the commissioner's house, dude. 
That's super amazing. fresh. Shout out to her. Hell yeah, bro. That's cool. <laughs> also, I'd like to remind you that the Art of Hip Hop podcast is brought to you by For the Love, the Art of the Hip Hop video. That's my debut book. Uh, in that book, I write oral histories covering the creation of some of hip hop's classic videos. Um, those videos in volume one are all caps by Mad Villain, Pharaoh Monch's Broken Again, We Don't Know You by Your Old Droog, Waiting by Decca, Dear Dilla by Fife Dog, Stitches Brick in Your Face, Danny Brown's Grown Up, Zero Dark Thirty by Aesop Rock, Odyssey's Brea, and Girl by Das Racist. That one was actually directed by Aristotle Atari, who's a new cast member on SNL. Uh, to check out the book, For the Love, the Art of the Hip Hop video, you can check out major retailers or uh, check out www.forthelove.info. Yeah. <laughs>